Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, if you're going to plant a church, you're going to have to move a bunch of crap around. That's just a fact. You're going to have to set up and tear down. Don't do it all yourself. Let Portable Church Industries give you a hand. It's what they do. It's what they're good at. It's what you suck at. PortableChurch.com. Head on over there and find out their solution to your setup and tear down misery. PortableChurch.com. Hey, church planner. This is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. I kind of want to do a little, hey, boo-boo. <laughs> hey, boo-boo. It's a mighty nice day for a picnic basket. Hey. <laughs> uh, gee, uh, uh, Yogi, uh, Mr. Ranger would not like us going into that part of the park. It's all in hand, boo-boo boy. He was That's such a, a racist. Person. That boo and and remember the spinoff that came off of that, which was uh, Yogi's Ark. No. Okay, so uh, this is great because it's cartoons. This is my area. This is my speciality. Um, Yogi's Ark. They they had this giant flying ark. It had propeller blades. You can Google it, and uh, all of the Hanna Barbera characters were on there. It was like the Laugh Olympics, but they were on their way. To find paradise. And the the opening theme song, we're on our way to the perfect place, the perfect place. And they go, the sky is blue, the air is clean, nobody there is ever mean. The prettiest place you've ever seen, hey, that's the perfect place. It was great. And anyone listening right now is going, oh my gosh, I remember that. <laughs> So you're welcome. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to remember that. They will. They will. And anyone around my age, you're you're just a little too young. Do you do you remember uh, Transor Z? No. 
oh man, that was like Voltron's cheap brother or cousin. You know, it was like the, you know, we can't. It was like GoBots to Transformers. We can't afford the really cool thing, but here's Transorzy. It's in lower lower budget. GoBots to me were so ridiculously stupid because they, they had were. no faces, the or barely a face and no articulation. Like that's why Transformers dominated. Is they had all this articulation. Gobots, you could like maybe move like the arms and they would flip up, you know, and then you'd like stand the car on its butt and be like, that's a robot. And Transformers are like, oh, forget that, you know, this is going to be a bird turned into a Corvette. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> it's like a pterodactyl, you Didn't know. they have like three way Transformers that would be like a car, a robot, and then something else? I think so. And you know what was funny was when they came out with Dinobots, that was like the that was like the first kind of like expansion of Transformers. It was like, now they can be dinosaurs too. And I think that might have been it. And you're like, whoa. You know, that was just rad. Yeah. Grimlock was my hero. He was so big and stupid. I had like a kindred spirit with him. So this is kind of funny. Uh, so I don't remember him because I uh, Transformers. I watched the cartoon. So clearly you've not seen the movies because he showed back up in the movies. I, you know what? So when I saw the first movie, I was a firefighter, and I had had a force fire the, the night before. One. Dude, I fell asleep, and I remember I kept waking up during the movie. This is like whenever it was in early two thousands, going. This movie's awesome, and then I try to stay awake. I've never gone back and watched it again. And it was rad. Yeah, it was way better than that Pacific Rim. <sighs> Words that people say that end friendships. You know, I saw The Meg the other night. What did you think? That was the goofiest <laughs> movie ever. I couldn't say it was awesome, but it wasn't like horrid. It was just, it's what you would expect. Yeah, yeah, it it wasn't quite Sharknado on the corn factor. No, but it, no, it definitely was pushing, not. It was pushing some. It wasn't like your normal shark movie. It was like, come on, how about gushy. when he went into the beach with all the people? That the was best. just like the best scene. And with the kid with the popsicle. Oh my god, <sighs> I can barely remember so the kid rad. with the popsicle. The kid with the popsicle after the shark attacks over, and he just barely misses getting eaten. He goes. And he takes a bite of his popsicle. That was the best. <laughs> <laughs> they actually had a really cool tribute to Jaws in that. It was it was when he goes out. That was actually you could have played a scene from Jaws side by side with that. Like the mother trying to get through the crowd, everything. Absolute homage to Jaws that scene was. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. So hey, you're uh, the film major, man. Why do I always got to say this? Dude, I gave, you know, you it, spotted it's that. so funny, man, because I think about that. And, and I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it publicly on the podcast, <laughs> but the whole reason I was a film major, I knew how easy it would be to get my oh, degree. Yeah. So I mean, smart, dude. I, didn't, I, I, I think I should go back and be a film major now. Well, here's the thing. I, this is like sacrilege to pastors who were so comfortable amongst the books, as they say. And me, I'm like, okay, I hated school. Every ounce of me hated school every step of the way. I hated elementary. I hated junior high. I hated senior high. I hated college. The best thing about college for me was I was out of my house, my parents' house, 
and I wasn't financially responsible for paying for all of my crap. Like that's, that's, so that's what student loans and in my case, my parents were able to help out with college. Now, mind you, my parents hated that fact because I, I, I mean, to them, school, even to this day, is like, you know, the greatest thing in the world. And I'm like living proof that school is not necessary to be successful. Like anything I learned, I do not use. I have not once in my life had to solve for X. I have not once had to figure out algebra in my daily life. It's never happened. Yeah, and- the reality is I think a lot of people that did like do algebra wouldn't know how to apply it to real life anyways. But they could prove how smart they you were. You can. You can apply it. But I think most people just don't. You know, it's funny, man, because we, we were talking uh, last week and I mentioned Jordan Peterson. I didn't realize he was that popular. You know, oh, I, yeah, he's, I, he's. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen anyone post him online. I just... I, I'm That's a because Facebook blocks him. Probably. But, they block you know, anything I, conservative. Well, and the, the thing is, is he's not that like he resents being called a right wing spokesperson. He says, I'm not. He says, you I'm know actually who, who really likes him is Bill Maher. It's like, can you imagine the two yes. of them like really well, like each both other for free speech? Yeah. And that's his number one thing is free speech. Um, and, and that's what got him into all that trouble. It was really interesting because I was watching another interview where, he by the way, that, what kid of yours just walked behind you and is now kicking their feet up in the chair? <laughs> Who is that? Is that Eden? That's Eden. That's so yeah. funny. It's come, it's come to work with daddy day. I like it. So I have a whole cupboard full of like my little pony castles and, you know, Sylvanian family houses. Like I've, I've got the goods here, man. I got a whole cabinet full of come to work with daddy day supplies. I like it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. (laughs) They're not in the trash can. I don't know what you're talking about. Could you hear that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. You shoosh, you shoosh. You're not on my podcast today. All right. I'm telling mommy on you. So I got to tell this story. Yeah. First of all, this is my, this is my, uh, my confession moment. And I'm saying this publicly on the podcast for when I die. I want my kids to go back and listen to these podcasts. Like, I figure this is... if you, No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Because here's my thing. If you really want to know who Pete Mitchell was, I say you listen to these 280-some-odd episodes of the podcast because... Come on, that's really why we're doing this. It's it, just under the guise of church. It's planning, my legacy. This is really what it is. I'm, my smack talk is my <laughs> legacy. Right, it's who I am. So and I've this, is, this was thanks for listening to the last rites of Pete Mitchell. I've always said that I never, I never wanted kids. Like that wasn't like a thing that was high on my list. Like some people, they're like, oh, I want to get married, have kids, start a family, blah blah blah. I'm way too self centered for that, I believe. And so it was like, which is not to say. I don't love my kids. Like a lot of people, when they hear, oh, you never wanted kids, you don't love your kids. No, totally not. Like I, I love my kids. And, and for me, the difficult part, and I've said this before in the podcast, like some people, as soon as the baby is born, they have like that, that, uh, that Lion King moment, right? Where you hold up the kid and everyone, oh, yeah. And I loved my kid, but I didn't have that like connection with them. Until they started to like recognize me and wanted to be like, 
with me or whatever. Like it was like when they recognized me, cause they always recognized mom, right? You know, what are you eating by the way? Cause you're just shaking your head as if people can hear you shake your head. But you're- I, I interrupt you and take you off all the time. So I'm sitting here having my beef jerky. Okay. Well, you can tell I'm chewing. I couldn't tell what it was. I was like, I don't know what he keeps putting in his mouth, he man. Bubble gum. He's like, how many pieces is that? <laughs> yeah. Cause when you eat beef jerky, it's not like you just chew a couple of chomps. It's like 20 per piece, man. Well, yeah. So, uh, so I, I mean, I want to go publicly on the record and just say, man, I literally, I, I love my kids. I think the two of them are the coolest things in the world. And I love uh-oh, hanging out. Uh oh, this is a preamble. No, uh-oh. no, 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 what's no. Coming, what's coming next is bad. No, 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 no. Like my son <laughs> okay. is cool. Cause he's like yesterday was the first time in his life. You know, he's a first grader now and he tells mom in the morning, I want daddy to come pick me up after school. That's never oh. happened. It's because he's taking uh, jujitsu, and he wanted to like see. He wanted me to see him practicing, or as or as I call it, jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> How's your jujitsu? <laughs> like I get my best <laughs> Japanese accent ever, and so um, even though I, I don't think it's Japanese, isn't jujitsu yeah. like? Well, I don't know. There's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Oh, no, man. You you walked into that pit. Doesn't matter. That's what I do. I don't really care what anyone says. I get so much hate mail anyway. It's it's nothing new. But my daughter now is starting to like me. Like, it's taken her three and a half years to start to like me. So I'm like, man, this is the greatest thing in the world. Now my family actually likes me. I'm used to no one liking me. But now there's like a group of people who do. So last Saturday, Luke has a... uh, Birthday party he's got to go to. So he goes to this birthday party, and um, apparently, like, part of what they gave him was a baggie of popcorn with M&Ms in it. So he gets home. We have dinner. And then he's, like, begging my wife, oh, I want my popcorn. I want my popcorn. So then he eats some or all, I don't know, of the popcorn and M&Ms. And then it's time for bed. So we put him to bed. Now, one thing you got to understand about my wife I love my wife. My wife, the greatest person in the world. Uh, but my wife, by the end of the day, she's done. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to say it. She's done. Like, everyone needs to stay away from mama at the end of the day. And, hey, ninjas ninja hard all day. They need to sleep before they play. Oh, my gosh. And and some mornings... Like some morning this week, I was like, honey, are you all right? Are you still feeling good? And she goes, look, I'm still a bit worn out from last night. (laughs) It's like, I don't know what the kids did, but whatever it was, it was like, I don't know what you guys did to mommy, but I think you broke her last night. It had a layover effect until the next day. So anyway, so mommy hangover. Yeah. So, so she puts him to bed and, uh, you know, we're in the movie room watching a movie and then, like, five minutes later, Luke comes walking out. And he comes in the movie room. And he's like, I think I'm going to throw up. To which my wife's response is, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, you couldn't have done this when I was on duty. She's like, well, go to the bathroom. Don't you dare throw up on the carpet. <laughs> oh, like, man, that's rad. So, so he goes in the bathroom and then. So then she goes, and she's annoyed, right? She's, this is not good. So I'm sitting in the movie room, and like five minutes later, she hasn't returned yet. And I'm like, okay, I'm going into self-preservation mode. (laughs) She's Mm going to come out of there like 
a nuclear blast right. and I need to to do something, right? She's always saying I'm not doing enough to parent, which is probably right. true, right? Yeah, she's sure. totally right, yeah. So I, I got Jamie on this one. Oh, yeah. So I go into Luke's room. There she is. She's sitting in the corner. Luke's like, you know, hugging the porcelain god, the, the porcelain throne. And I'm like, how you doing, bud? He's like, oh, I'm still a little bit sick. And I'm like, <laughs> so then I'm like, well, if you threw up, maybe you would feel better. He's like, well, how do I throw up? I'm trying to teach him how to stick a finger down his throat and make himself throw up, right? right. So he's just like, oh, I can't throw up. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, dude, I can't show you how to do it because then I'm going to throw up. And I'm not sticking my finger down your throat because then you're going to throw up on me. So then I'm like, "Mm, how do we solve this? And I go, hey, man, a lot of times if you just start walking, your tummy's going to feel better. So I want you to come out here with me. So he's like, he's kind of looking at me because he's reached that age where he kind of knows that I like to like pull his leg a lot and joke. And so he's kind of like looking at me like, you making this up? I'm like, here, man, do laps in the kitchen. Walk around the kitchen table. (laughs) So he's like, he's walking around three or four times. I'm sitting there in the chair. He's like, what does this do? I go, it'll make your tummy feel better. I'm going to do it a few more times, (laughs) right? So he's doing laps. (laughs) And then all of a sudden he goes, yeah, okay. I think I feel better. I'm like, okay, good. You know, going to the bed. Now, Jamie's the whole time has been sitting in his room, just fuming, right? <laughs> and then she comes out and she goes, where did you pull that out of? <laughs> That's awesome. And I go, every guy in the world knows when you have a problem, you walk it off. <laughs> I was like. That's how you fix every problem a guy has. Every injury, every sickness, you walk it off. So that's that's rad. That that's that's how that's how Pete moved from being uh, the reluctant parent to super parent. Dude, this has been a parenting moment with Pete Mitchell. Yeah, I've actually uh, now been. We asked, need one of these once a week now. I I need a like a parenting breakthrough from you every week. So be ready. I, I've been asked now to actually speak at parenting conferences because of my uh, my awesome parenting uh, skills, ninja ninja like skills. Uh, you know, I was jealous because I could never get it on focus on the family, and here you go. Because <laughs> all I do an interview is focus on my family. <laughs> so, yeah. So you know, every time that I meet my wife, you know, she's got her car, I've got my car. And we're going to meet in the middle somewhere. Um, my kids fight when they're in the same car. Sometimes, not all the time, but like you, when my wife's done for the day, and it's usually the end of the day, she's like, look, you take one, I'll take one. But it's always kind of like a coin toss of who's going to go in dad's car. And here's the thing. Mom has the TV in her car, right? She's got the little DVD player, all that. And and I think even before there was a DVD player, there was still like a, eh, you know, you're going with dad. Eh, you know, they, they have to listen to my music um, or I'm on the phone or, you know, whatever. It's just not fun. But with mom, it's a party. You know, it's like, hey, what song do you guys want to listen to? So I'm trying to up my game because like last night we meet for dinner and then there's this immediate meltdown like. You know, and, and so I'm like, hey, you know, like when she goes, who wants to go with daddy? Everybody's all upset. And so I asked the question, who wants to go with mommy? And, you know, she laughed because she got it. Like, I'm like, that never works. Like, nobody cries when they hear they got to go with mommy. So my kids actually did 
<laughs> paper, rock, scissors to uh, to decide. So that's a new thing now. Paper, rock, scissors. They did a little Rochambeau out. to decide. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's like a little gambling thing, you know. Okay, you know, when one loses, okay, best two out of three, you know. So that that's how it's going down now in my house. So I'm trying to up my game. So all the way home, I listen to a band called United. I listen to someone named Something B. I don't know. Seems a song about Peter Pan. Uh, if you have girls, you probably know it. Um, I've listened to Taylor Swift. So I, I have girls, right? Like I'm trying to teach them this is the Deftones. This is the Foo Fighters. This is, you know, early 80s punk rock. But they don't want to know all about that. So I am now getting my education, apparently, because that's what happens when you have a bunch of females in your house. They, uh, they, they, they school you. Yeah, I got to admit, man, I'm, I was excited that I had Luke first. Like, I think that was an easier transition for me. Yeah, dude, like Star Wars Explosion, Batman, Superman. Yeah, but see, you've done that with your girls. But I, I mean, like, have. for me personally, because it's just... I'm just a weird guy, man. I just, I like need it. Okay. He's a dude. I can hang with this. I know how dudes think, right? Like, yeah. I think I would have been lost had I been in your house where it was like, Hey, we're going to have a daughter. Hey, yeah, we're going to have another man. daughter. I'd be like, dude, yeah, even the dog's a girl. Like I, well, it's me and the cat, man. The cat's a dude and he's Mr. Cool. Like, no, first out. of all, no cats are dudes. It's just not the way it works. Um, and girl dogs are better than boy dogs. My cat's a dude. He catches and eats everything. And uh, he's like the wild man from Borneo. He's, no. he's a man of the field. No. He likes to be outside. He's Mr. Cool. My tortoise, though. Yeah. What, dude? Yeah. My but tortoise it's a cat. Is a female. No, my tortoise is a female. But it's a cat. No, my tortoise <laughs> is not a cat. My tortoise <laughs> is a man charmer. Hey. I got to tell you. It doesn't matter, dude. I'll have these builders on. They'll be out there. My wife will be busting up because we're out there going, oh, don't hurt it. They're they're like all gathering around my tortoise. My tortoise is just like, give me flowers, you know, like I don't care about you. I'm a reptile. I don't I don't feel emotion, you know. That's cold blooded, you know. But dude, they they become like little five year old kids around my tortoise. It's rad. And my wife goes, she's just a charmer. She she gets men in the palm of their hand. She goes, I've never seen anything like it. A tortoise. A tortoise, dude. She has powers over men. Yeah, She's like I, Cleopatra. I don't know, man. I mean, y- you've got, it sounds like Animal Farm going on over at your house. Oh, dude, my wife wanted a goat years ago, and I drew the line. I was like, no goat. He'll eat everything. <laughs> but I do like goats. I want one that jumps around. But don't they all jump around? Apparently, but, you know. Oh, and those ones that on YouTube that make all them, like, you know, screaming goats jumping around. That would be kind of cool. Dude, I had a sound effect for a screaming goat. I don't know what I did with it. I'm like looking now. I'm like, where's that sound effect? Ooh, what is this one? I believe desire and. In- oh yeah, I remember that. One. <laughs> what the heck is that? It was a it was a sound clip I paid a long time ago. Show me the money! Oh come on! Show me the money! <laughs> I am. I am instantly transported back to the first time I saw that him in his office yelling that and everyone looking at him through the glass wall. Mm. That was such a good movie. That yeah. was in Churchill. Cha-ching. Was it? It was indeed. What is this one? Do you have any experience? No, sir. I have no experience, but I'm a big fan of money. I like it. I use it. I have a little. 
I keep it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. I'd like to put more in that jar. That's where you come in. <laughs> oh, I know that one. That's Adam Sandler. Yeah, but what's it from? I don't know. I don't remember. Good. How did I have all these good ones on here and I don't even remember them? You see, we're on a mission from God. Ooh, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Blues Brothers. Who are you? I'm no one to be trifled with. That is all you ever need know. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> this one is just called The Devil. <laughs> oh, my did... favorite. Who are you? I'm no one to be trifled with. <laughs> this has got to be Bobby Boucher. I've always wondered. No. What's the devil look like? Well, of course, there are all manner of lesser imps and demons, Pete, but the great Satan himself is red and scaly with a bifurcated tail, and he carries a hay for him. Oh, no. No, sir. He's white. As white as you folks. With empty eyes and a big hollow voice. He loves traveling around with a mean old hound. <laughs> One of the best movies ever. Uh, oh, brother, where are thou? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I could tell the second I started to play it. I don't know where that oh, goat is. So good. You know what that does for my soul when you play that. Yeah, yeah. well, I do my part. I do. Well, guys, let's uh, let's deal with today's topic, which uh, is... Doc, Doc, take us away. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. All right, well, today's topic, guys, is actually what to do with all the anger and frustration. Now, you know this. You know that there's tons of anger floating around. There's anger in you. There's anger on the news. There's anger in your house. There's anger in your church. There's anger all over the stinking place. And how do you deal with it? How do you, how do you keep your soul, right? Um, you know, you, it, there's that, that scripture. It talks about being kept, that the Lord shall keep him in perfect peace. And it, it's hard to walk through this world and not have the anger from outside seep inside. It's why, you know, I'll tell people, hey, if you want to love the world, switch off Fox News, switch off MSNBC, turn off all talk radio, because those shows are designed to give you ire, to get your back up, to piss you off. So you need to stop listening to that, because anger begets anger. So, you know, in, in a lot of times, anger masquerades as a bunch of other things, uh, righteous indignation, you know, it, 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 you know, justice. Um, people will do almost anything and justify almost any form of anger. Now, there's a book that came out um, a couple of years ago. A uh, guy was saying that it is not justified to be angry. And he, he pretty much dismantled a theology of anger and tried to argue that anger was always evil. I don't agree. And um, the book was good. The book was actually really good. It had a lot of really positive things to say. But I believe that we've always had an enemy um, in in creation. Uh, we, the, our enemy predated our creation. Therefore, in the creation of the cosmos, there was a war being fought. There was an enemy. And anger was a human emotion that I believe was created for right purposes, which, like all other emotions, could be used for wrong purposes. For example, depression. Depression, pain, that's another theological uh, thing. Some people believe that pain is not a uh, creation of God. Um, Philip Yancey and Dr. Philip Brand um, did a, a number of books 
um, on one is called the gift of pain will change your theology a bit. Pain was to show the limitations of the human body, even in a pre-fall world. So example, uh, Adam wasn't supposed to be jumping off of 100-foot-tall cliffs because the body was not designed for that. That's not how God created man. So man was not supposed to be destroying his body. So pain was a buffer, a way to show, hey, your body has limits, Adam. You're not going to die, but that will hurt. Oh, but see, now we got to get into the theology. Were there 100-foot cliffs when Adam was there? Pre-flood. Not Uh in a flat earth, my friend. Not Uh in a flat earth. Yeah, that must have been cool when you could see directly from one side of the earth to the other. (laughs) Before we had mountains. Eve, you go stand in that corner, and I'll stand in this corner. See if you can see me waving. Um But, you know, the, the the funny thing is, is that I believe just like depression, if you study depression, anxiety, all those kinds of things, you realize that anxiety has a, it's a positive function, which is a motivation um, that goes haywire. And then the uh, negative, now I know people go, hey, it's just be anxious for nothing. I'm not talking about that anxiety. I'm, I'm speaking in a clinical sense. There is a state of neurological arousal, which when it goes wrong, it becomes anxiety. So if you have a deadline um, and you work close to a deadline, you probably are tapping into some of the positive energy created by anxiety. So all that to say, um, I believe that anger was an emotion that was given to us as a gift by God for the right things. Same with fighting. Like, I think fighting, you know, all men, you know, you can say, oh, fighting is of the devil and it's a post-fall. No, we had an enemy and there was a war going on and we had an enemy to fight. All men know that their role with their family is to protect their family. I believe that is a God-given mandate. I believe it predates protecting from other humans and goes back to when Adam was meant to be protecting his family in the garden, which he failed to do. Um, so, you know, anyways, uh, just to kind of that set a theological stage for that, maybe broaden it out a bit. All these emotions that we experience, even humor, um, you can argue all of these. Oh, they're all post-fall. Well, I'd hate to meet the popsicle stick that Adam must have been, according to your theology, right? The guy sounds like wouldn't want to rub him up against my teeth because he sets my teeth on edge. That's just doesn't sound like a human being I want to meet. And I think it's convenient to take all of the emotions that, you know, have been tainted by the fall, obviously, and say, oh, they were never part of the original creation mandate. But that's really convenient. So what did human beings look like? I see Jesus getting angry. I see Jesus laughing. I see Jesus getting low in his spirit. I see all these things in Jesus, the perfect man, a man who was not fallen. I rest my case. So we're done then. All right. Yeah, we're done. So, But what to do with anger? Because obviously, as fallen humans, we do not experience and process anger um, easily. It's a very destructive force. It can be very, very destructive. Anger can, can ruin your life. We have all in the news where someone freaked out and wrecked their life forever. And it is a very dangerous thing. And the reason that it comes to bear is in your family, um, in your church, at your job, particularly for those of you that are bivocational, you're balancing everything, there is 
a pressure on you um, when you add the third dynamic of ministry. Anyone who's been bivocational or planted a church will tell you, if you just go to church, and, and, and even a missional community, I mean, there's, there is a difference between going to a missional community and belonging to a missional community and being involved in a missional community and leading one. There is. And whenever you lead, it doesn't matter what kind of church you're leading, um, there is a dynamic there of pressure that can build up into frustration and can build up into anger. And so today's question is really, um, how do you deal with that anger? How do you process it? How do you keep it from becoming a negative force? Um, and again, like I said, like, let, let's just, <laughs> I, I watch young leaders and new leaders do this. You know, maybe guy was, you know, an addict. Uh, and you'll see this a lot in, in, in churches where people in leadership, and not just an addict. Maybe he was, I mean, particularly in the movement I came from, which is Calvary Chapel. You had a lot of hickey, hippies that were doing hickeys. drugs. Hickeys. Um, hey, we call them hickeys, the romantic ones. Uh, when, when, <laughs> I'm going to stop that. Um, uh, there was a very bad joke coming, but the, uh, the hippies, uh, you know, many of them were jacked up emotionally. And, you know, truth be told, I mean, I'm super jacked up. You know, I'm, I am, a walking bag of dysfunction. And so for me, um, I don't have it all together. These are things that over the years, man, I've had people throw me lifelines. I've, I've been in counseling, um, you know, but, but I, there's times I just want to curl up in a ball and just say, God, make it all go away. And I'll talk to God. Like I'll have this surge of emotion. I'll be like, Lord, what do you want me to do with that? Because right now I'm too stupid to figure this out. And I dare not. It's, it's why you guys don't see me post on certain things. Because I get angry. When I get angry, I get super angry. And it, you know, it, it, by the time I'm showing my anger, it's over. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's yeah. So I, it's kind of like the Incredible Hulk. You got to hold it in. Got to process it. Got to take it to the Lord. Otherwise, you know, Hulk smash. So I was like, you just said it's kind of like the Incredible Hulk. You got to take it to the Lord, and I'm like, really? When did he do no, that? No, it's like Banner keeping it under. You know, when that line in the Avengers where he goes, you know, what's your secret from getting angry? He goes, you know, what my secret is I'm, I'm always, always angry. <laughs> and I think many people walking around feel like that. You know, I think most people walk around feeling like I'm angry when when I'm driving to go preach. You know, I'll be like, oh, what are you doing, bonehead? You know, <laughs> like on the front, my wife's like going to preach are, are you really thinking about people's souls right now and, and it is it's like this oxymoron you know this driving contradiction on the freeway and going through life you know someone gives me the slightest slight you know someone's rude to me at a counter you know someone uh the uh the other day andrew andrew's laughing because right now like my my i'm hyper vigilant with anyone doing any work on my house for obvious reasons and uh, the other day I come in, I say to my floor guys, I go, you guys didn't get this done today? And the guy goes, haha, you're funny. And I, and I just look at him. And it was like not the thing to say to me. And I didn't lose my call. I just looked at him and said, you know, I put three floors like this down, right? And he goes, no. And I go, I've done it by myself. you got three guys here. I said, I've done three of these. I know how long it takes. I don't think I asked you an unreasonable question. And I don't think it's funny. 
and my wife afterwards, she's like, will you stop picking fights with everybody? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not picking fights. It just, you know, but I am. I'm walking around in this, like, constant, like, sense of tension because I'm finding out, oh, this guy's trying to rip me off. And I'm, and it's not that I'm paranoid. Like, you and I talked. I told you the latest thing going on where a guy is clearly trying to rip me off. And so right now my, my, my back is up and maybe that floor guy got that response because it was a little disrespectful. Um, but maybe he got that response because he was paying a little bit for the last guy he tangled with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When, when you're in ministry and you're in a church scenario, you can't have that. Like you can't, you, you can say something. You can have a little, you know, outburst, and it's over for you. You know, you. That's why Paul says an elder must not be ang- an angry person, right? Like, like right now, I I would say now's not a good time. If I were in ministry right now, I'd I'd go to my elders and say, "Hey guys, I need a break." Not because I'm freaking out and cussing people down or any. I haven't had a bunch of outbursts, but I'd be like. Yeah, I don't really need the extra pressure of a church right now because that would be a little bit too much for me at this present time. I'm dealing with all this contracting stuff in my house. So when you have that, sometimes you take it out on your family. Maybe sometimes you take it out on the people at work. Maybe it's just that pressure cooker is going and then you're feeding it with Fox News or you're watching something on on the television. You're like, oh, it's so wrong. And what you're doing is you're feeding all this anxiety. So um, I know we don't have tons of time, but what do you do with that anxiety and how do you deal with that anger? That's that's really the question at hand. Was this all the preamble? <laughs> it kind of was. <laughs> we have eight minutes. Um, all right. Thoughts? Go. No, no. What are your thoughts, man? I don't... I. I don't know, man. I don't even you don't understand. You just, did a, you just did a preamble, which I thought you were tackling the issue, and now you're asking me, what are my well, thoughts? Kind of you know what my preambles, Pete? They, uh, they my thoughts things. are, when you agree to do a podcast with someone and you say you're going to show up at a certain time, you should actually show up at that time. Or if you're going to be late, you should give a heads up at least 10 minutes before that. Hey, yeah, but if you're going to be late every week, maybe you should figure out a different time in your life to do the podcast. That is true. And, and what you're, what I hear you saying <laughs> is that it's a little too too frustrating for you at the moment. Uh, it's not too frustrating, buddy, because you're on thin ice. This could be the last episode ever. So here's here's the deal. Um, as you are dealing with your anger, there's a couple things. Number one, um, I would like to say at the beginning, just do the opposite of Pete. That would be if if you if you listen to all 214 episodes. Uh, did I get that right? Was no. it 214? We're like at 289 or something. 289. So all like 289, that. counting this one, do the opposite of Pete. You know, just go that's back and actually not that's not bad advice. <laughs> like on its face, that's not bad advice. You know that the number one thing, like there is that scripture that says, "In your anger, do not sin." You're gonna feel angry, and like like that book that I read, um, the guy he did make a good point that a lot of our anger is wrong anger. So a lot of the things we find funny are sinful. So I but I I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but. 
probably most of our anger is not good. Right. Probably the the majority of things that we are getting angry about when you read that book, you know, he says it's 100 percent. I can't find one person the things that are. But for me, I'd say, no, nah, well, I would say probably, you know, in between one and five percent of the things we actually get angry about are justified. The rest of it, like I knew this morning, I, I could see you're a little frustrated. And I'm thinking he doesn't realize that some guy's still trying to rip me off a different guy now for quite a bit of money. And. Yeah, you know, but I've you know what? Honestly, as as the offended party in the back of my mind, I would say, you know, it's a great excuse. The only problem is they don't matter. Everyone's got a good excuse. They don't matter. If you commit to something, you got to commit to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so here's the thing: is you know when when you're dealing with someone who has an excuse, probably the best thing to do is to hear them out. Like, don't. You know, it's cool. Like, I'm totally, I think you're totally justified to say, hey, that's an excuse, and I don't accept that. No, I think you do. No, and and here's here's actually the reason behind it, and this is this is kind of a, a of a you know a, a deviation from the subject matter at hand, but here's the problem that people well, kind of, have. It's kind of the same because you'll deal with this in church leadership. Too. You will, you will on both sides. You'll both be that guy at times. Exactly, like, exactly, and that's or you'll be the guy. Yeah, that's the the real the real reason that I bring it up is that you know I, I remember years ago uh, I was dealing with a, a buddy in business and he said I've never heard a bad excuse in my life. A hundred percent of them have been great. The only problem is none of them matter. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Because every excuse is a good one. That's why it's an excuse. But they don't matter. Not in in business. It's like, hey, look, if we, if we or, or, or the church, if, if we're going to do this, then we need to do this. And, you know, traffic was bad. I get it. I totally get it. There was an accident on the 405. 405 shut down. I get it. Guess what? It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter that that didn't happen. We had this. This is what needed to get done. And the the problem that I think it where we see it really happen and where the forgiveness starts to wane is when it is habitual. There is always an excuse as yeah. to why something's not happening. Because obviously anyone... Um, with reason is going to be like, Hey, look, I get it. The four Oh five was totally shut down. There was a huge accident, all four lanes, both sides, blah, blah, blah. blah. Right. And they would like, they would offer you grace. Cause, but the problem becomes, well, it's that same guy. He's always missing out on our church meeting. And he's always 15 minutes late. Like literally every week we meet, he's 15 minutes late or he misses it completely. Or, you know, um, my kids started crying. Hey, I get it. I get it, yeah. but the problem is none of that stuff matters. Like you need to yeah. figure out in your life, hey, you know what? If if my if that means I got to leave an extra half hour early so I'm not, you know, upsetting everyone else in the meeting, then that's what I got to do because my excuses don't matter. We had a meeting at 10 a.m. to go over church finances, and I showed up at 10:30 and put off everyone else's schedule. You know what I'm saying? So like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. And I think I think where where it happens like so like with our situation, it, it it's not every week or we wouldn't still be here, you know, but it has been two weeks in a row. And so where I've had to say, hey, man, I'm going to be late. Can we do it this time, that time? And and so if a guy just shows up late, like I think there is a difference. But I also think I know if it goes beyond, you know, one or two weeks, 
you wouldn't hang. Like we just would not be doing this anymore. And I'm aware of that because we've set that respect. And I think what you're talking about is at a certain point where you feel disrespected by the person, um, then you're not going to be able to work with that person anymore. Right. Yeah. And and I I get where you say that, that, you know, it's a sign of disrespect because we've had that, that talk before. I think you were the one that said you'd read some study that, you know, people who are always late, it's, it's a narcissistic thing. Yeah, Yeah. It's an arrogance thing. And I don't, I mean, I can see that, but I think for, for some people, they just don't, they don't take themselves and their responsibilities seriously enough. Like, I guess maybe that is a form of arrogance, but, um, but I mean, and you're going to run into that in the church. I mean, you got a team of people, you're just flat out, you're going to run into it. I mean, Oh yeah. Like literally. And, and I mention this all the time, but the, the key example that I think of is like the worship leader and the sound guy, because often the sound guys, they are very technical. They're like engineers. They're going to be there early. The worship guy is an artsy fartsy, right brain, left-handed creative kind of type. He, you know, everything's fluid to him. And so that guy rolls in late. And I've seen this play out in 25 years of church ministry um, where these two, you know, right and left brain people uh, show up to do ministry together and they push each other's buttons. And so, like, one of the things you got to keep keep an eye on is like a Sunday morning. You know, I always tell people, like, do not talk to a pastor after he's done preaching. When a pastor's done preaching, he's given us all. He's emptied it out. And he's vulnerable. And you guys need to know this about yourself. You're vulnerable. The times where you're more more likely to snap at somebody is before that Sunday sermon and immediately after. Those are the two times. And I would say most likely because of your anxiety, it's before. And that's where you find like church leaders getting in fights with everybody. If I'm doing all that. But, you know, here's the thing that, that you can do. Number one, the number one thing, and we're out of time, but the number one thing is to shut your mouth, right? Because what you're, it, the studies were done that showed that 95% of the decisions we make in life, and this is, this is, this is crazy. 95% are based on emotion and not on logic. So 95% of the decisions you make are a combination of your feelings physically, your emotions mentally, um, and, and you're not reasoning it through. So, You got to think about it. When you're super stressed, you're going to make emotional based decisions. And um, the book that that's taken from, somebody's going to say 95 is a statistic. It's actually, it's got a cuss word in the title, but it doesn't print it. It's F and then a bunch of asterisks, your feelings. And the guy says, look, we've got to get beyond making emotional decisions. And that whole thing, you, you have to realize that when you're dealing with anger, that's why Proverbs talks about it being so destructive because you are making an emotion-based decision, not a cool-headed wisdom-based decision. So the number one thing is shut up. Don't speak. It's not that you're a coward. It's not that you're a pansy. It's that you're going to regret. You're going to lay your head on the pillow that night. And you're going to regret what you said. And then the second thing is, You need to have a place to process. Number one is prayer. Go to God. Number two, go to a friend who is not. Like, for example, if if I were with, um, the worst thing you can do is vent about somebody 
to somebody who uh, is on your leadership team, right? Mm -hmm. You're responsible for ministering them, and you would never go to another member of your membership team and bag on someone else on them. Like, that's divisive. It's foolish. It's demonic. So what you do is you have friends outside of the ministry. You can just talk and say, hey, I'm having this issue I would with this actually, guy. I would say what you do is you join the Bible Inner Circle and you share with <laughs> your ministry uh, cohort there. Well, it's funny you bring that up because I have never yet seen a Bible Inner Circle where someone comes with a problem with their leadership and everyone goes, oh, that guy's a punk, man. That guy, what happens is everybody, there's godly advice that that person will get. And it can be a sounding board, but I always will hear people say, hey, you know, I think you might be, it's like what you do with me. There's been times, you know, you and I would be talking about this guy, this and that, like in the publishing world, I would have frustrations and you'd be like, you know, I don't think you're thinking about that, right? And it'd be like a check on my spirit. I'd have to go, no, I think you're right. You know, because it sounded so right in my head until I heard your perspective. And you know what? I bet that guy has that same perspective. And, and you need that. You need friends who are going to shoot you straight. But the number one thing. By the way, I always find that to be the worst. When you were so self-righteous in your own thoughts, and then you either hear from the other person or someone else gives you, well, you know, what if you looked at it this way? And you're like, ah, crap. I've been an idiot. <laughs> you know, I yeah, hate but that. It's, it's mercy, though. <laughs> it's so good because you'll look back and you'll be like, thank God. You know, because I was about to do this. Yeah. And, you know, it's like David, right? Like David, you know, with, with Saul, when Saul's after him, David, um, he rips the corner of his cloak off to show him, I had you. And I could have retaliated. And then um, he tells Saul that. And, and Saul repents. <clears throat> but if you notice, David feels bad for that late. And he repents of even taking the corner of his cloak because he feels like even that was, you know, probably not good. I just should have done nothing. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, like I said, we, you'll regret most of what you say and most of what you do. And the second, the third thing. So shut your mouth. If you are going to speak, speak to someone uninvolved, disassociated from your church. Number three, um, get into counseling, right? Get into counseling. You have someone there. If, if you don't have a friend, pay someone to be your friend. Um, number four, uh, write. Write it down. Um, the, the number of responses that I have written to people, and I don't want to like overflow into conflict, but write. You can write your frustrations and anger out. You can write letters that you never send but help you process. I mean, there are a million things like that that you can do um, and then the other thing is, if you are going to write that person, always start with a positive. Always end with a positive. If you have something difficult to say, say it. But say it super, super. Have other people read it first. Does this sound okay? Mm. If it sounds harsh, it is. If it seems like it might be harsh, it is. Right? Um, you have to. You have to. You never flame people in writing. Um, it, it, it might toast a little bit, but you don't flame them. Those conversations should, and by the way, anything you write can never be taken back either. So always make sure that you don't put something in writing that you should have said with your mouth. 
because that's another thing. You should usually deal with conflict, not through text. Not, and you and I have had that before. We've been frustrated with each other, and we start texting. Everything gets all like convoluted, and we're like, dude, let's just talk. You know, We get on the phone. And so you're going to have this where you're going to have frustrations and you're going to have anger. And the best thing to do is, Pete? I'm sorry, were you talking? <laughs> so uh, any anything that you want to add that we uh, that we haven't hit on so far? Because I'm I'm hitting through this quick because we are out of time. Yeah, I don't I don't no I don't have anything to add because uh, I'm I'm rarely angry at people. I uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I go to the firing range. And pop off a few caps, right? Everyone needs to have a 1911. That's all I'm saying. It should it should be a standard. Every pastor gets issued a government 1911. I tell you what, 24 hours after I'm angry, I think of everything a lot differently. And some people think, oh, that's because you wimped out or you talked yourself out of conflict or you're avoiding. No, I'm protecting them and me from what I would have done and what I would have said. And I need to protect them and myself. And particularly when you're in, in the ministry, you need notice Jesus when he displayed his anger, it was um, it was calm anger in the sense that I always tell people this because they're like he freaked out in the temple. Yeah, he did. No, he didn't freak. Yeah, out. he did. Well, no, not freaked out. Freak. That's not the right word. But come on, dude, you make a whip and you start turning over tables. Well, yeah, dude. So that is not that is not when the calm. Freak out, let me let me explain to you how bad things are. No, that was a smackdown. It was a smackdown, but did he freak out? So a freak out implies a loss of temper. And if you read the passage, Jesus, it says that he took the cords and he wove them into a whip. Think of the amount of time that takes. Right? He's sitting. He made there. He's a whip. He made a whip. Like yes, I get that he his he, anger I, was severe. And I, and I agree. I agree with the loss of control. But it it was definitely a smackdown. Oh, yeah, I mean for sure. Well, that's that's the point I'm making though, is you can be angry, and not lose control. And yeah. that that's what I'm okay. saying. It's it's the reason I bring that up is to point to that time factor. Well, yeah, and I mean he there did show control because he didn't he didn't release the the doves. Right, because that would have been a financial loss. Yeah. Like he drove out the animals. Well, you can go out and go get your animals back. And he flipped over the tables. You can pick everything up, but he right. didn't break out all the birds and stuff because, well, now they're gone. Yeah, he broke up. He broke up as Forrest Gump said, "Yo, Black Panther Party," you know. But he he did end business for the day. I mean, he he made a statement. Yeah, and he was angry, and it was severe. Um, I, I think Jesus was pretty dang angry and I think he wanted everyone to know it. And yet, you know, again, he didn't flip out. There was that time gate where Jesus sat there. He let that time go by. And I believe at that point he allowed his, um, logic to, uh, rule over the emotion. He's quoting scripture, you know, it's, but yeah, I think, I think he raised his voice. I think it was, I think he knew exactly what he was doing. You know, whereas if you saw Peyton do that, it would be like meltdown in the temple. That's what mine would have been called, you know, not his. So. Yeah, and even if you did it uh, with the same type of restraint <laughs> in our society, you'd be arrested. 
<laughs> you know well, what I'm saying? Let, let's face it. That's what, I mean, the scripture tells us that was the day the Pharisees decided to kill him. Like, that was the day. It says from that day forward, the Pharisees intended to kill him. Yeah. They're just like, we're just going to kill him. And which is crazy, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was quite a statement. So guys, those, those are the things I'm still a guy. I don't have it all figured out. I still, anger is still something that, um, I still wrestle with. I still struggle with. I still, um, am trying to work my way through it. I don't have it all figured out. Um, but I'm 45 going on 40. I think I'm 45. Yeah. I think I'm 45 and I'm going on 46. And I'll let you know when I when I finally master it, but I, but I haven't. And you know, I think it's something that that these things have helped me navigate. And the the older I get, the more I learn. And I think that's where wisdom can come from. You can either be a, a you know sixty seven year old child still reacting like a child in situations, or you can man up and grow up. And deal with things just a little bit better. And when you do upset people or you are frustrating, because here's the other thing. A lot of our righteous, uh, a lot of our anger comes from self-righteousness. We think we don't do mm. what we do, what people do to us. We think we don't do that to other people. But we, we do, you know, I mean, the amount of things. Or we ignore at, something else that we're, I mean, totally do yeah. to other people. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah. we all, you know, we are also that guy to somebody else, you know, and, and we may not realize it, but you know, th- this is the thing is as you get older, you just realize people are just people and they're going to fail you and let you down. And you, it was like Wesley said, the only thing you can ever really expect of people is to be disappointed. And so at a certain point, you know, this is where I'm moving towards in my life is to try to see people the way that, that God sees them and to, to kind of go, okay, Everybody gets a bad day. That dude's having a bad day. Even when people are mean to me in the store, gosh, a mark of sanctification for me would be when someone's rude to me just to be super nice. I think that's how you know you're winning. And I don't win that often. And I'm sure you guys don't win that often. But again, the point is, if you start snapping at people, it will undermine your leadership. And that is something that will be almost impossible to gain back. When you start to just show that you crack under pressure um, and you start, people start losing their trust in you and they start realizing this guy, you know, he, he, he talks when he's in the pulpit, but when he's out of the pulpit, he's a jerk. And, you know, that you can go back and listen to our podcast where we talk about our mantras on Sunday morning that we would have. What would the early church do? We, we learn not to, just not to operate like that. And you got to create that atmosphere too, but you also have to walk in it. And if you do screw up, you need to apologize. But like Pete said, don't be a repeat offender. Don't keep doing it. Everybody gets a bad day, including you. Just don't be the guy that has a bad day every Sunday. Hey, Pete. Mm-hmm. You know, with all that uh, anger management counseling you're going to do, um, probably don't have time to do all your church finances. Talk about something that causes anxiety. For some people who are what we refer to as non-math pastors, I imagine it causes a lot of anxiety. It makes them want to makes them want to hurt somebody. Is there a solution for that? There is, Pete. What would that it's be? Called, it's called simplifiedchurch.com. What was that? Simplified church. We'll turn it up. <laughs> 
All right. Well, they'll take care of all of your IRS compliancy needs. They'll take care of all of your bookkeeping. They'll take care of your payroll. They'll take care of just about anything else that you need administratively. Head on over to SimplifyChurch.com and tell them Pete and, and Pete sent you. Well, hey, this has been the Church Planner Podcast. Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Calm down, Italy, 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 Italy. They did their best. Shoddily, Italy, Italy, Italy. Gotta be nice. Hostility, Italy, Italy, Italy. Ah, hell, Italy, ding, dong, crap. Okay, and I won't be late next week. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.